Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. As I watch those disciples, you know, they just left everything. Their families, their business, their money. You know, can you imagine Zebedee is in the boat. His kids are going, well, where are you going, man? I'm in the boat by myself. They just left. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to leave some things behind. You just have to leave some things behind. Sometimes people behind. Relationships that aren't healthy. You know what I've discovered? That's not a one-time thing. I'm still leaving things behind. You know why? Because I don't want to accept the good things in life. I want the best. Like some in the church today, Jesus' disciples believed that earthly riches were an indicator of closeness to God and His resultant favor. Jesus, in His exchange with the rich young ruler, made it abundantly clear that earthly riches were an impediment to a closer walk with God. Pastor Mark will continue to teach from this passage, speaking about the high cost of discipleship. He will also teach about the benefits that result from making this all-in commitment. We will find out that what God promises beyond a renewed relationship with Him is worth all of the sacrifices made. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Luke chapter 18 with part three of his message, Fulfilled my bucket list, but I'm still empty. Now, wouldn't it be nice if you would read this in the Bible? And Jesus watched him and ran after him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, How about half of your stuff? Jesus doesn't go after him. But we know he loved him. But he will never overrule your choice. You must choose what you want. He'll convict you. He'll love you. He'll forgive you. But he will not overrule your choice. That's why it's so powerful. Now, what Jesus said, of course, because he knew he made the wrong decision. He just walked away from Jesus. Now, what did he leave behind? Joy. He left joy and peace and meaning and life and satisfaction. He left behind any hope of ever having eternal life. He left it behind. It's gone. It's over. He left behind the loving Savior, Jesus. And I can tell you this morning, he left behind the most exciting, freeing lifestyle in the whole world. Now, what's interesting is this. He walked away empty without purpose because he refused to do what Jesus asked him to do. Remember what he asked him to be? What should I do? Jesus answered him. And he refused to replace his riches with God and to follow Jesus. Interesting to me. 
Now, why was that young man there in the first place? Because of this principle. In the Old Testament, we're told that when God created every human being, he put within that person eternal life. He put eternity in the heart of every single person. See, you'll have atheists, you'll have lots of people, well, all the different beliefs, what's going to happen after death, and they'll all say, blah, 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 blah. But down inside, they can't get away from it because God put in them an understanding that they were created to know God. And after death, there is an eternity. They were created to know this. Now, when you see all of that happening, what does that look like to us? Until you understand that there's a God-shaped vacuum in your life, in your spirit, in your heart, nothing can fill that. No one can fill that except God. And until you come to a personal knowledge and relationship with God, it doesn't matter. Your life will be empty. You might have some fun. You might have some joy. But ultimately, it's going to be empty because you were created to be in relationship with God. And when God comes, it doesn't matter if you have 10,000 of your bucket list filled. You'll be empty. Nothing can fill that void, that vacuum. Except this, and I want you to write it down this morning. This is why the young man came. Life without a personal relationship with God is always empty. Now, I want you to think about Hollywood. We watch Hollywood a lot, not as much as we used to, thank God. But notice many of those people, our younger generation, call role models. But what do we discover with these people who supposedly have everything the world can offer. Everything. What happens to so many of them? They go on drugs. They become alcoholics. They go from marriage to 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 marriage. And in the end, how many of them commit suicide? You see it everywhere. Michael Jackson. A star of the world. What did he die? empty because the world cannot give you what God can give you. Be careful. Be careful. Pastor Mark, I'm not like that. Yeah, but what's there? What are you trying to fill in your life? It has to be a personal relationship with God. Nothing else will work. That's the way every human being is designed, period. No exceptions. Now, All of a sudden, the disciples who are listening to all of this, this conversation, they're excited because they know now Jesus is going to do some things. Now, watch this. Look at verse 24, and I'm going to read it in the Balmer translation. Jesus is going to make this statement to you and to me. Let me read it in the Balmer translation. And Jesus looked at him as he walked away, and he said, how easy it is for rich people to enter the kingdom of God. Is that what it says in your Bible? What does it say in the Bible? How what? All right, let's read it. Really, the really. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Would you just turn to your neighbor and say that right now? How hard it is to get to heaven for a rich person. Come on, just tell them right now. 
Now, why is that crazy for us? Because when we come to, in America specifically, but all over the world, what is one of our goals? Come on, be honest. To be rich. Said Pastor Martin, never think about that. Yeah, you don't have a raise for two years. You go into your boss office, what do you say? I need a 10% raise. See, it's all about what? Money. And how crazy we are when Jesus says, it's like impossible to get to heaven if you're rich. Well, I still want to be rich. Something wrong with my logic. Now, watch what Jesus does. He's saying that to his disciples. How hard is it? Look at verse 25. Jesus says, indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God, to get to heaven. Now, lots of people, you heard this probably taught all your life, that there's this little hole in the wall in Jerusalem, and, and, and it's, the, it's called the eye of a needle, and a camel can go through there by taking the backpacks off the camel, everything. He can lean down, watch his hump as he's going through, and he can just lean going through. That isn't right. The word means surgeon's needle. It's an exaggeration that Jesus is using. How many of you ladies sew? How easy is it is to get a thread through the needle? <laughs> I watched my wife. <laughs> and then what's the next thing? Bring your glasses here. Okay. <laughs> and pretty soon we're all bleeding from that. So what is Jesus saying? Could God put a camel through an eye of a surgeon's needle? What do we have, atheists here or what? Could God put a camel through an eye of a needle? Of course he could. I mean, if he could go here, have a world. Put the sun there. Good, thank you. Of course he could do anything. But he's trying to use an exaggeration to say, that's like impossible. That's impossible. Now, what he's really saying is this. A rich person on their own cannot enter the kingdom of God. No matter how you try, you'll never get there. You'll never get there. Now, look at the response. This is from the disciples. Verse 26. And those who heard this ask, say like, what? Who then can be saved? Because remember, the Jewish people, especially the Pharisees, they had this mistaken identity, wrong doctrine, that if you were rich, it was a sign of God's blessing. Well, he did have rich people, but that wasn't the sign. The sign was being honest and open, obeying the commandments, following God, following Jesus. And basically what they're saying is this. If the rich who enjoy God's blessing can't be saved, who in the world can be saved? Good question from them because their doctrine was wrong. Well, look at verse 27. And Jesus replied, I'm waiting for an amen now. Get ready. Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Amen. Because there's nothing impossible with God. Nothing. So Jesus is saying, now look, people cannot save themselves no matter how much power, authority, influence, or money, or possessions they have. But if you'll do this, if you'll obey me, and you'll follow me, watch God do the impossible in your life. Because nothing's impossible. It doesn't matter how bad you are, 
It doesn't matter. Remember the woman at the well? Five times married, divorced, living with a guy. Doesn't matter that. Woman caught in the act of adultery. Doesn't matter that at all. Paul killing Christians all over uh, Israel. It doesn't matter at all. God can save you if you just repent and believe and follow him. There's nothing impossible with God. Now, here's what I want you to write down. Just trust God with your life more than you trust anyone or anything else, including your wealth. If you and I simply understand what salvation is, it comes to repenting and believing and putting God first in our life. And if we'll just do that as a lifestyle, good things will happen to us. Now, after Jesus says this, the eye of the needle explains it. The disciples are going to make a comment. Who do you think might be the first one to speak up of the 12 disciples? Yes. Takes you off, put foot in mouth, Peter. Okay, here you go. This time he's right on. Look what he says. And Peter said to him, to Jesus, hey, we left all to follow you. Peter is saying this. Look, does what we left behind enable us? To get into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus is going to say in a moment, yes, and you'll see why. Now, what did the disciples leave behind when they followed Jesus? Well, let me read to you from the book of Mark. Remember, when Jesus came, he started his ministry. The book of Mark is kind of the opening to that ministry. And he goes by the Sea of Galilee. He's already prayed. He's looking for 12 apostles. Because he knows in three years, he's going to the cross, going to heaven. These guys are going to have to take over and start the church, the New Testament church, which we're a part of today. Now, let me read it to you. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, Peter, and his brother, Andrew, casting their net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said this, come, follow me. Notice he didn't say, and I don't mean this in a wrong sense, he didn't say, join the church, become a Christian. No, he said, come follow me. That's why we use the term Christ follower. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. We're going to talk about what's really real. V-I-O, people's lost souls. Now, he said, at once, amazingly, they left their nets and they followed him. So they left everything behind. Verse 19, when he got a little further along the Sea of Galilee, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat preparing their nets. And without delay, He called them, follow me. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. What have they left behind? They put God first and they left everything else behind. Here's what I've learned. I want you to write this down. Following Jesus requires some sacrifices, but the benefits are greater. Many years ago, I taught this passage maybe 20 years ago when we first started the church, three or four years in, I taught this passage. And I remember, because as I watched those disciples, you know, they just left everything, their families, the business, the money. You know, can you imagine Zebedee is in the boat and his kids are gone. Where are you going, man? I'm in the boat by myself. They just left. And I said a statement. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to leave some things behind. You just have to leave some things behind. Sometimes people behind relationships that aren't healthy. You know what I've discovered? That's not a one-time thing. I'm still leaving things behind. You know why? Because I don't want to accept the good things in life. I want the best. 
And if it's a waste of my time, I'm leaving it behind. Now, I'm not perfect in it, far from it. But I realize if you're going to serve God, it's going to require some sacrifice in your life. But the benefits, get ready. But the benefits are greater. In every way, shape, and form. Now, you say, well, Pastor Mark, how great are they? Well, when you think about that, it means to deny myself and follow him. Remember that old song? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The world behind me. The cross before me. I'm going for it. Now, when you see that, Jesus is going to expand this and say to Peter, you're right on, Pete. Watch what he says. Now, this excitement is terrific. Look at the steps of faith that these disciples have done. So he's saying to these guys, you did good. One of the most exciting things, those three years that they spent following Jesus, not knowing what was going to happen the next day, not, and they had nothing, not have any idea what's going to happen, were the most exciting time in their whole life. It was fantastic. And one of it is the path of life that's in front of us. See, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to follow Jesus. And he's got a path for every single one of us here, every single one of us, every day. Look at this verse, Psalm 1611. I love it so much. You have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence and with eternal pleasures at your right hand. What's he saying? How many of you know this morning, God's in the house. So what should I have right now? Joy. Look at the people you're sitting next to. They're weird like you. We're all weird. Isn't it amazing the shape and the form and whatever? Lord, help us. What a great ride. You talk about a buffet. I mean, this is amazing. But we have joy in the house of God. Amen? Why? Because he has a path for me. But it's not just here. Did you see that verse? In eternity. See, we have the wrong perspective. Remember, we talk about our life here. 60, 70, maybe 100 years, whatever. It's about like that. And we live for that. Now, the joy here is fantastic. But in eternity, how big is eternity compared to this sliver of 100 years? Well, you can go to the moon and back a trillion times. And the time has just started in eternity. Yes. Don't get bound up in the little bitty stuff of life. Pastor Mark, I'm going through a really tough time. Join us. <laughs> there ain't nobody here that doesn't go through that stuff. Some worse than others, of course. Do you know in the last two weeks, I think, I think we've had six or seven funerals. Life is short. And you want to live it with eternity in view. You can't do that by holding on to your God. Whatever that is, you got to place God in place of it. Put him there first. Well, what's he going to say? To these disciples, Peter's question. Look at verse 29. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom will fail to receive many times as much in this age. Right now, we're blessed out of our socks by God. And in the age to come, eternal 
life. Jesus reassures Peter and the disciples, God is blessing today, and that blessing will continue forever when you get to heaven. My friends, the greatest lifestyle in all the world is putting God first, following him, and watch him do the impossible in your life, in my life. When you understand what God has done, and that prayer will start in a moment. Remember this rich young ruler? He wanted assurance. He wanted assurance. What do I have to do? Well, John gives us an answer to that. And Jesus told him, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he sent. See, it's not a work. It's an act of faith. Believe is an action, enough to follow Jesus. And then here's how you do it. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, believe again, notice, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's an action word. And Jesus was telling this rich young ruler, you can have eternal life. That's what you wanted. All you have to do is believe in me and repent. Put God first, not your stuff. Now, in that conversation, the 12 disciples were there with the rich young ruler and Jesus. John was there, one of the apostles. Watch what he writes later. And I was thinking this weekend as I was studying, maybe he wrote this specifically because he watched the interaction between the rich young ruler and Jesus. Take a look at this. You know this verse in 1 John. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and it, and I'll add live to this, and it's not in keeping the Ten Commandments. And this life is in the Son, Jesus Christ. Now watch how he says it. He who has a son, he who has a relationship with the son, not religion, he who has a relationship with the son has life. He who does not have the son of life does not have life. And look at this verse. This is the verse I think he might have been thinking about that interaction years ago. I write these things, John says, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may, let's say it together, you may know that you have eternal life. That's why the rich man came. He wanted assurance. He wanted to know. But when Jesus told him what you have to do, basically repent, believe, follow me, he walked away. He listened to Satan instead of listening to God. Whether he ever changed, nobody knows. But today, it's our choice. First, for Christians, what do you do with that? Who's there? What's there? And then second, I'll ask those of you that are not saved to be ministered to. Today, we heard Pastor Mark talk about Jesus' love for a young man, a man who thought he was ready to go all the way to serve God, but found a stumbling block in the form of his wealth. We learned about the love Jesus had for this young man and how his turning away from God saddened Christ. We need to be careful to not give Jesus cause for sorrow, too. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Well, this finishes Pastor Mark's teaching of Luke 18, 18 through 30. The next message will complete this chapter and Pastor Mark will be asking the question, What do you want God to do for you? The topic of blindness will be discussed, and Jesus' love for the individual will be illustrated in the scripture passage we'll be studying. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.